You all right? My name's Paul. I've got autism and I was diagnosed when I was 34. And I decided to make some videos um, <laughs> just based on my journey up to getting a diagnosis. You know, the crazy things that might have happened where I can relay a story and try and offer a bit of advice for people who are potentially looking to go down the path to getting diagnosed. Because if you think you're autistic and it affects you or you tell people you're autistic, then get it diagnosed. All right. So I wanted to have a chat today. <laughs> I talked to myself at a camera. Um, I wanted to talk about telling people that you're autistic. Because when I first got diagnosed and I decided, you know what, I think I'll tell people, I found I got responses that I didn't want. All right. So I didn't have the best of times telling people. Um, so I thought I'd share the story. So hopefully you can avoid the same pitfalls I ended up in. So, like, you know, I, uh, I didn't put any thought into telling people. I just thought been diagnosed might be a good idea if people I've known all my life or for a long time now know that I've got autism. Because over time, what I realized was, you know, you are putting the mask on all the time to deal with everyone. You are being different to who you really are. You're not being truthful to you. And I thought, it's time to shift that balance ever so slightly. You know, I need something back in my favor. And that was why I decided to tell people. But the first person I told was my mum. You know, I told her and her response was brilliant. It was, well, you didn't have that when you lived with me. <laughs> you know, and it's like, all right, it's a good response. I uh, wasn't the response I was expecting, but, you know, obviously mothers don't want anything potentially perceived as negative to ever happen to the children. I get that. But then when I started to break it down a bit more, I also realized that, you know, when I was a kid, when I was like a young kid, you know, I was finished school and I was out on the green playing football with the other kids who lived on the green and we'd play football until it was time for bed, you know, and then it'd be in, quick bath, bed, done, you know. So there wasn't, I'd, it's not like we spent a lot of time together you know, what I mean, I might have only been 20 feet away, but, you know, as a little kid, I was out playing football, playing with me cars under the bushes, you know, on my bike with me old mate Ryan and, you know, pulling a leaf off the bushes, pretending it had a secret mission on and <coughs> and driving off, cycling off, whatever, whatever you do on a bike. And, um, you know, so I was never around as a little kid. And then when I got older and I was in high school, I would get home from high school get changed and walk to my friend's house. And I was, I'd stay there from then until 10 o'clock at night, come home, I'd eat something, I'd go to bed. So even as a teenager, I was just never around. So when I actually think about it, my mum never got to know the kid she had, <laughs> you know, it was, I was just never around. And yeah, obviously you get used to the TV shows they like, sense of humor, the little bit of conversation, but I was not around. So you can kind of understand the response I got. Fair enough. But that's that's the mother. That's a little bit different. All right. So when it came to work, I obviously got diagnosed because I didn't want to have to have a fight with my old boss or get sacked for a reason that was, you know, out of my control sort of thing. I uh, I left not long after anyway. 
you know, because I just, the final decision he made, that was it, I was gone. And I got a job somewhere else. And I made sure that they knew instantly when I was, when I was taken on. Um, and no one cared, you know, it was like, whatever. Um, because the boss was relaxed anyway. And I reported to someone else, uh, this guy called Dave, who funnily enough is working where I now work. And he's just a funny guy. You know, he's just, he loves everyone and it's just, it's, everything's all right. And he sort of had this really good approach of how he used to treat me anyway. And I remember saying to him, can I have a support dog? Now, bear in mind, I don't need a support dog. I was just doing it as a joke. Um, and his response was, how are you, man? Come on, you're not a full-on spaz. And that would offend a thousand people, but it didn't offend me. It just made me laugh because of the type of person he is, you know? Um, and that all stemmed because I did some training. Um, and when I was doing the training, this woman walked in with a support dog, and I was thinking, I love dogs. I wonder if I'm allowed to stroke in it. Um, and it came to a break and I went over and I said, you know, your dog's lovely. Is there any way I can have a little bit of a stroke with your dog? And she said, yeah, of course you can stroke him. Like, Brilliant. I'm stroking him. I said, you know, it says support dog on his, on his thing. I said, I, you know, I said, I, I didn't know why you had a dog. I said, but now I know. And I didn't press any further because usually when I'm teaching or doing any training, when it's a break, I go and sit in the car just because I try and miss the small talk because as much as I can sit there and talk to people, I've got, I'm doing a job. I'm educating them on the subject matter that I know. But if they're just like, what did you get up to last night? A flake. I've got no idea what to talk about. You know, so uh, she started to tell me the reason she had a support dog. And she said, and this is where I'm probably going to be horrible and I don't mean to be, but black and white thinking, logical thinker, must have sense and science. She said she was in a car and she pulled up to a, you know, a train crossing. She said, and the, you know, the lights come on and the barrier comes down and she's just sat there at the front waiting. She said, and she sees this guy on a, on a bicycle come up, sort of weave his way, you know, sort of struggling through the barriers because he wanted to get to the other side. She said, and then just as he got to the train line, this train comes and just went past him. I was like, right. And, you know, it didn't hit him. And she was like, yeah, but it was so close. She said, I just had this image that all this blood would have been everywhere. And she said, it just, the idea of it, she said, it just, it gave me PTSD. And now I've got a support dog. And I had to take myself away from that dog. <laughs> And that situation, because I knew that my autism would have asked questions that would have caused her offense. You know, the main one being, how do you get PTSD off something that never happened? You know, I could, I could imagine that, you know, a, a plane is just, is going to crash into my house. It doesn't mean that I get to move for free because of it, you know? So I, I realized that my head was going to start put, you know, being wrong in her eyes. And I thought, so I just went, oh, your dog's lush. And I walked off and I went and sat in the car, had, a, had a, a drink of juice, and then went back in when the time was right. But how would you get PTSD off something that never happened? And why is she allowed a dog and I'm not? I'd love a dog, but I haven't got time because I have to work so much and work away a lot. I want a support dog. Anyway, what was I talking about? Um, yeah, I think I was talking about telling people, wasn't I? 
yeah, telling people you got autism. Where did that come from? Who knows? So, um, you know, tell it. Oh yeah, telling the employer I wanted to support dogs. See, the, I'm off on tangents. Bring me back in, people. Bring me back in. Get me back on track. Um, but one of the trick, the trickiest one was telling people I know who don't need to know me. You know, like friends, <laughs> acquaintances, people who I think should know, but um. It was, it was trying to find the way to tell them. Like, I never put a second of thought into it, and that's what I'm doing this for, is to sort of tell you, put your thought in. Because I just wanted to be a bit less like them and more like me if we were going to spend time together. Because even when people know you've got autism, you still put the mask on. You still have to blend in. You still have to be how they need you to be. Because otherwise, they just think you're too weird and, it, you know, things die off that you take pleasure in. So you've still got to make the effort. I just wanted to let people know so I didn't have to put so much effort in. Um, and I didn't get good responses. I'm being completely honest. I really didn't. Like, um, there's a guy I know, and I've known him a long time, and he thinks he knows everything about everyone. He's a megalomaniac. You know, he's a... He is a narcissist, and he'll be the first to tell you himself. I'm not just flaming him. Um, but he genuinely thinks he knows everyone, and he knows them inside and out, and he knows who they are as a person. And, you know, the reality was he hasn't got a clue who I am. So I wanted him to. I was like, you know, so I said to him, you know, I told him about the process, told him about getting the diagnosis. And the second I said it, he instantly dismissed it and basically said, Everyone's autistic. Everyone's got a bit of autism in them. I was like, that wasn't what I said. I was telling you I'm autistic. I have had the diagnosis. And he, because he knew I went private for it, he ultimately thought, and still does, even though I've tried to prove him wrong, he thinks that I just went and paid for a diagnosis of autism, like like going to the, you know, a burger van and saying, can I get a burger? Thanks for that. He thought that was sort of the process of how I got an autism diagnosis. He didn't realize that I had to go to the doctors to get referred, even though it was still a private appointment, you know? And the thing that bothered me the most about it is because he didn't want to be wrong, he instantly discounted and discarded the fact that I have to make so many adjustments all the time, every day, just so I don't get noticed, just so I don't do something stupid, quirky, anything that'll move that limelight straight onto me. You know, I don't tell people when my birthday is because I don't want people to say happy birthday. Coronavirus being around at Christmas for me was great because I didn't have to see people. I didn't have to have people step in my personal space, wish me a happy Christmas or whatever. You know, someone wanted to buy me a gift and because I really didn't want to have the gift to then have to say thank you for it because again, limelight situations, I asked if they just, whatever they were going to spend, make that donation to the firefighters charity or, you know, another charity. Other charities are available, but that's mine um, for reasons. And <clears throat> I just didn't get the response I wanted because it didn't fit his narrative. And I'll be completely honest, we really haven't spoken much since and it's been a good few years, you know, uh, just because he doesn't want to be wrong. So it's like, thanks for that. I was being vulnerable, opening up. I didn't realize I was being vulnerable. I will admit that. 
But when I look back and I tell people now, I realize I'm actually being vulnerable because I'm trying to let people in. Because I want, I'm tired now. I want to stop being so fake just to blend in to not offend others or, you know, have people identify my weirdness. Um, so that was that was that was not nice, um, you know. The but the best reaction I got that was the worst. The best reaction I got was off a guy I know and I've known since we were in high school. It was a guy called Craig. He's got an autistic son. So I thought it might be easier because he understands autism. <laughs> maybe he'll ask me a thousand questions about it, see what makes me different to his son. You know, maybe ask why his son might do particular things because I keep saying to him, I'm the, I'm the cheap book on autism. I'll tell you why anybody autistic does whatever, you know. And uh, I told him, I said, mate, I, uh, I, was, I went through the process and I got diagnosed and I am autistic. He went, all right. That was it. Just didn't care. Wasn't bothered. And that was good because nothing's changed. It was basically like saying to him, all right, mate, I had a cheese sandwich for breakfast. All right. You know, like, well, and? Because he's not bothered, you know, and I'll give him his credit. We've always been weird. He's weird. You know, we are weird together. We're, the, we're them idiots that just quote movie, you know, things out of movies and laugh our heads off, even though we've seen the film a thousand times. Um. That was the best reaction because I didn't get anything from it. I just, you know, I was made, he was made aware, job's good, let's crack on. Um, and then everything else, you know, in between varied. So what I will say is know why, you know, if you've gone down the route, just know why you want to tell people that you've been diagnosed with autism. How does it benefit you? If it makes no odds whatsoever and it won't make any difference, then people don't need to know, do they? Always tell your employer because there will be a time when you might need reasonable adjustments. And that's why I told my employer because I can't do work-related, non-work-related events. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I can't go for a Christmas dinner. I don't want to go to functions because we're trying to launch a new car or whatever it is, you know, and you all end up having to a black tie event and you, you have to pose for pictures and all that. No. If it's not my day job, I'm not interested. I don't want to do it. And I just feel so out of place because I can be at work and I can do work-related chatter, but give me my personal time. Nope, I haven't got a clue. You know, at the last place, when we all had to go on training, uh, what made that easy was there's a couple of guys who work there who never shut up. And they would talk to each other. So everybody else was just a, an audience member anyway. So that was easy to do. That was fine. I could do that all day. But when I have to be a part of something, no, thank you. Uh, but know why you want to tell them. How will it benefit you? How will you get to take your mask off a little bit if you benefit from it? You know, catch that person at the best time to tell them. How do you appeal to them to be able to speak freely? What do they gain from it? Because a lot of people are out for themselves and you've got to make sure they drop their guard enough to let you in properly. I'd like to say it might be probably easier for women because women listen, <laughs> men don't, but who knows? It all depends on your social circle, I reckon, because I'll do one of these one day about friendships and you'll see the weirdos I've known in my life. So I can't expect good results. Um, but I think for you to benefit, for you to be able to lose the mask, for you to 
not laugh when something's not funny. You know, just to make a little change like that would be great. You know, and to be able to say no to a few things socially, but know that that friend will still call or get in touch, that'd be nice. You know, you know, why don't you want to come out? Because I'm not interested. You know, I don't know, but just try and find the best way to approach people based off the reaction you want. But if you're after a reaction where you want people to be overwhelmed and want to make a thousand changes for you, then you're not telling them for the right reasons. You need to do things where at your core it will benefit you, Uh, not because you're after attention. You'll never get anywhere for that. But anyway, hopefully this has been insightful. I know I went off on a rant about dogs, uh, but I haven't got a clue how I started. But anyway, uh, thanks for watching. And until next time, keep smiling.